So if you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8 this morning. And I've been preaching a series called It Matters. Last week we talked about how our thoughts matter and how our thoughts need to be, uh, our minds need to be renewed by the Word of God. And that's a process, and then it changes our thinking, which changes our world, really. And so today I'm going to talk about our words and how our words are important. Because arguably the most important member of your body is your tongue. Didn't James talk about it? If we could just control that member of our body, we could control the whole body. He said it's like a rudder on a ship. If you can control the rudder, you can control the destiny of the whole ship. So if you can control your words and what you say, you can control the destiny of your life. Amen? So let's open with Matthew chapter 8, and let's begin with verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Now, uh, for those of you who have been to Israel with me, you know, arguably my favorite place to go is Capernaum. It was, you enter into Capernaum and it says the, the hometown of Jesus or something like that. It was basically where he centered his ministry out of. There was a synagogue there. You can visit the ruins of it to this day. And some think that the centurion here, the Roman soldier, was really favorable to the Israelites and, uh, you know, kind of helped them with the synagogue and stuff. So for some reason, this guy was in a favorable light to the Lord. And so he comes up to Jesus and he says, Can you heal my servant? My servant is at home lying sick of the palsy or dreadfully tormented, New King James. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. There was only a few times, I think, where Jesus marveled in Scripture. But Jesus heard it, and he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Meaning God's got some other people coming in. Don't be shocked that this Gentile has that kind of faith. Then Jesus said to the servant, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So what we see here is that a military guy here understood the power of command. Because how many military guys are retired or active or reservists? How many of y'all are in here today? Praise. Can everybody say amen for our military folks? And our church is heavily military, just part of being in this area. I love it. And uh, you guys understand command. That's how the whole military works. If you don't obey commands, it's really messed up. But when a command's given, it has to be carried out, and then things operate by command or supposed to. Jesus was amazed at this centurion, his faith, because he understood the power of just Jesus' words. You don't have to come to my house, Lord. I know how this works. All you have to do is say the word of healing, and he'll be healed. Boom, 
and it was done. It was done exactly like the centurion said. Because God works by words. In the beginning, He created creation by speaking words. You know, there's even a Hebrew term there for word that also means thing. And I'm not going to, maybe there's, I'm not going to make more of it than it is, but it's interesting. It's a huge broad definition of this word davar in Hebrew, but it can come out word or thing. When God speaks, it becomes a thing. He speaks a word, it becomes substance. God created time, space, and matter by words. And all we've known is time, space, and matter. We have an issue understanding the eternal, eternalness of God because we've always lived in time, space, and matter. And He's outside that. But God speaks time, space, and matter by words. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? It's just super cool. That's super cool. That dad, that dad, that daddy God... Speaks things by word. (laughs) Listen to Isaiah chapter 30. The Lord will cause His glorious voice to be heard and show the descent of His arm with the indignation of His anger, with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering temptus and hailstones. For through the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be beaten down as He strikes with the rod. Isaiah's prophesying about the defeat of the Assyrian armies that carried away the northern tribes of Israel. And he says it here, and I, I, I just don't think it's only figurative language. He's saying God is coming against them with the power of His voice. He's speaking with the power of His voice, and they're going to be obliterated. Oh, hallelujah. So our words, our words have consequences. Our words are important. Our words matter. Our words matter. It matters what we say. You know, it it really disturbs me where we're at right now in social media because you can say anything you want to without relationship and without retribution. And people say some incredibly horrible things online. You know, they call me idiot and everything like that. I'm like, dude, you don't know me. But they just don't like what I'm preaching, I guess. You know, it's, it's, come on. I think used to, if you called someone an idiot, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to go outside. There's a reckoning. Now we can just say it at home and get back to our video games. Sorry. No, anyhow, I'm making a point here, right? That it's, it's, it, the words have consequences. Words matter. Words affect the atmosphere we live in. You can have a negative atmosphere. You can have a positive atmosphere. You can have a faith-filled atmosphere. You can have a doubting atmosphere. You can create it through your words. You can have strife in your marriage and strife in your home and uh, unproductiveness in your home by speaking those words. Or you can, you can have love and peace and unity and, and workableness. That's a phrase. You can do all that and you create that through the power of your words. So let me look at a few things in Proverbs, just Proverbs. I dealt with this a few weeks ago on Wednesday night Bible study, but I just want to reiterate it. Look how powerful words are. Words can bring peace to a situation. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer 
turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you, want to, if you want to calm the situation down, it can be done through words. If you want to fire the situation up, it can be done through words. Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. So wise words can turn around someone who's going the wrong way. And if they have the right heart, they'll receive the rebuke and correct their path. Words instruct, Proverbs fifteen seven. the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Words can rescue, Proverbs fourteen twenty five. a true witness delivers souls. True witness delivers souls. Words can provide counsel, Proverbs twelve fifteen. the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is right. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. There's an old British Navy regulation that reads like this. No officer shall speak discouragingly to another officer in the discharge of his duties. How many believes we're soldiers in the army of the Lord? What if we obeyed that British military rule and we would speak not discouragingly to any of our other brothers and sisters in the discharge of our duties? Words can be used for bad, though. The Bible condemns gossip. Not only it it's condemns gossip in the law. It's, there's laws in Leviticus against it. But also in Proverbs 20.19, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Flattery can hurt people. Proverbs 29.5, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Angry words hurt other people. Proverbs 29, 22, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. If we speak too quickly, sometimes it hurts. Rash speech. Proverbs 29, 20, Do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for that man. Talking too much sometimes hurts others. Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Just by statistical chance, if you keep talking, you're going to foul up somewhere probably. Change your words, change your world. Change your words, change your world. You know, labels are important. What we call people, what we place on them is very important. And it's, it's a product of our words and of our heart. And I'm really concerned right now about the labels. You know, we learned recently that there are like 80 different distinctions now for people who can identify themselves sexually some way. Eight, there's like 80 different options now. And, and I'm sorry, but I can't, if you were born a man, I can't call you a woman. Because it would be an untruth. If you were born a woman, I can't call you a man. The world needs to hear this right now. Because we're so messed up, we're really messing with kids, man. And I'm hearing stories coming from my pastor friends. And I have pastor friends in, in, uh, I have pastor friends in, in California. 
that I was amazed at some of the stuff they were talking about. We have I've passed friends all over the nation, but we're really having some kids messed up because the labels that society is placing upon them is messing with their reality. And so I can't speak this untruth and get in some like we're getting in in we're getting in non-reality now. So I had a young man from our church, wonderful outstanding young man from our church. He's in college now, and he came and met with me this week, and we just had prayer, and he just wanted to talk for a while. So we met, we had prayer, and he said, Pastor, recently, I go to a great college, but he said recently they hired a professor who identified himself and signed his letters as so. He identifies himself as a demon. I was like, what? So now there are people identifying themselves as demons. Words are powerful. Labels are powerful. And I want to talk to you about how you can change your words and change your world. Number one, you have to speak truth. We have to speak truth. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, everybody say in love. love. Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ. Now, if you know the context of Ephesians 4, he's talking about the growing up of the church. He's talking about unity. He's talking about how there are different gifts in the body and how we need to recognize those. And all the gifts make up the beautiful unity of the body so that we may come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where Paul said we should be headed. And he said that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, so don't be deceived and don't be carried away and don't be taken out by false doctrine and trickery of men, but speaking the truth in love. Grow up into Christ. So the opposite of false doctrine and trickery and the, the world's way of doing things is to speak truth but have it wrapped up in love. We must speak truth in love. I think the church has to maintain a certain prophetic distance from politics because we've often become so involved in one political party or the other that we're just identified with them. But I think that, and, and you, vote your, you vote how you vote and you should vote, but I'm not saying don't be involved, but I'm saying as a church, we stand back a pace so we can speak to authority what the Word of God says. So we can say, no, God says this and the righteousness of God demands this. Whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever you are, we stand back and we want that prophetic power as the church. Why? Because our nation desperately needs to hear truth. I mean, my word, we're living in a day now, if you post some things online, you have guys just searching all day long certain key phrases and will take you down. I was in a meeting New Year's Eve with a good friend of mine, and Facebook's canceled, they they took the meeting down within the first 45 minutes or so. And it was really interesting. You know, because certain key phrases were, were, were being, being said, I guess. But what really bothers me is that you can get on Twitter, and I think the Taliban has a Twitter page. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a fight for truth in the nation. 
Because we've come to the day when people call evil good and good evil. We're coming to the day when it seems like common sense doesn't matter anymore. We speak forth truth like this. My gosh, man. And, and it's like it's not wanted in the public arena. Why? Because I think we're living in a backs. I think we're living in a backslidden generation or reprobate generation. That truth is so foreign to us, it sounds wrong to us now. Preach on, Brother Hans. Come on, somebody. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to stand before God and answer for CNN News. I'm not going to stand before God and answer for Fox News. I'm going to stand before God and answer for Hans Hess and the things I've declared and the things I've said. He said every, every word will be accounted for, every action will be accounted for, and I don't want y'all showing up and seeing me somewhere in line saying, Hey, why didn't you tell us the truth? I want to be up there like in the high five section. When you cross over into glory, I'm like, God, didn't I tell you we could do it? Didn't I tell you? I told you we we're going to make it. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, then we do a victory lap. Hallelujah. Around the sea of glass. <laughs> Come on, somebody say, speak truth. Speak, you got to speak the truth. And, tr you know, it, it, sometimes we're hesitant to speak the truth because we don't want to offend people's feelings. And I've wrestled with this in my life huge. We don't want conflict or we feel like we, we will take on the burdens of everybody else and, or we have to be the, the good boy in the whole situation where I don't want anybody to think bad of me if I don't please everybody. But you know what? Boundaries are not wrong. And matter of fact, it's a good thing to set boundaries and it's a helpful thing to set boundaries and set them in truth in your house and in your life. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. Second thing we need to do to really correct our speech is we need to start saying what God says about us. Because I really believe there's something powerful in what we align our speech with. Now, I know people have gotten off in confession and maybe taught some wild things. I'm just going to try to stay Bible here this morning. I want to say things over my life that God has spoken over my life. Because I can identify with several voices out there. I can identify with the voice of the enemy. We have a real enemy. We have a Satan. Satan means an opposer. We have a real enemy in the earth realm who has a real army coming against us and he's going to bring things and speak things into our lives or his demonic hordes will speak things into our lives. It's the disease. It's the cancer. It's the debt. It's the destruction. It's the calamity. It's the worry. It's the fear. It's the anxiety. And I can step over into his camp and just start speaking those things just like I'm hearing them from the enemy. And how many times have we fallen into that? No hands, please. How many times has Hans fallen into that? That we get over there and we start thinking about it and then we start speaking it out and then it becomes like a big deal. Or we can align ourselves with the Lord. And we can start speaking those things He's calling out in our lives. The healing, the blessing, the righteousness, the holiness. Come on, the love, the peace, the joy, the long-suffering. We can, we can start speaking those things over our lives and identify with Him. I really believe, let me go one step further. I really believe when we start identifying and speaking what, from whatever source it is, I believe we open a door. 
to the spirit realm in that regard. I really believe, I know the demonic realm works on legalist, legalist terms. So demons come according to legal authority, according to vows, and this is why I'm very cautious about taking vows and secret stuff like that. You need to, you need to get all that out of your life and confess it because you don't want something, the word curse or a vow that's tying you to the demonic. You want to break all of those in Christ. You don't want some kind of soul tie you've developed and you've committed something that ties you to the demonic. You want to release that thing, tie yourself to the Lord and bind yourself to the Lord and start speaking His words and open the door of blessing by speaking the words of the Lord. Let me just push this idea. Could it be that we could open, could it be we could open a floodgate of blessings into our lives if we would just align our speech with what God is saying. Could it be? What does the world say of you? Well, that doesn't really matter. What does the devil say about you? Well, that doesn't matter. All that matters is what God says about me. No wonder James said, Brethren, above all, don't swear. Don't swear by heaven or earth. Don't take an oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you will not fall under condemnation. I want to agree with what God says over my life because if I do, I believe it will change the atmosphere of my life. Let me give you proof. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's where David appears in the Scripture. In Sam, well, he appeared in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, but we didn't hear him speak. He just appeared from the sheepfold. He's anointed the next king of Israel. But in chapter 17, he actually goes down to check on his brothers at the battlefield, and he shows up right at the most crucial time because Israel is facing an enemy that they could not defeat. They're facing a giant named Goliath. And Goliath would come out and taunt the armies of Israel, and they're all shaking in their boots. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 10. The, the Philistines, Goliath was saying this, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul, the king of Israel, and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Notice the atmosphere. They were dismayed and greatly afraid shaking in their boots because of the Philistine giant. Let's drop down to verse 20 or 23. Then as he talked with them, this is David, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines as he spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And then David speaks up in verse 26. And he said, Now, now what did you say will be done for the man who kills this guy? (laughs) I love it. He's a teenager probably at this time, bumbling onto the battlefield, never been in a formal fight in his life. And he comes up and he's already thinking beyond Goliath. 
He's already thinking to the victory. What did you guys say is going to happen to the guy who takes this guy out? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the arms of the living God? If no one else was speaking faith there that day, this young teenager was speaking faith. Who is this guy? He's not in covenant with with the Lord. Why should he defy the armies of the living God? Verse 32, David goes to King Saul and says, Listen, King, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Verse 37, David said this. Listen to these words. He told Saul, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the bear, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You may say, Brother Hans, I don't believe in positive confession. Well, brother, there's positive confession. I don't know how else you slice it and how else you dice it. He went up with faith in his heart that God was going to allow him to overcome an impossible situation. Well, basically an impossible situation. And he spoke it. Because see, faith is in our hearts. Yes and amen. It grows. We exercise faith. Our actions are based on faith. But at some point, faith has got to come out of your mouth. It has to bubble up so much that it comes out of your mouth and you speak it out. This is exactly what he's doing. He's aligning himself with what God wants to accomplish and he's going ahead and speaking it. Okay, so the final thing. We, we speak truth. We align ourselves with the words that God says of us. And then finally, just like last week, we have to fight in the battlefield of the mind. We have to fight with words. We have to fight with words. In our spiritual struggles, we fight with words. We declare victory with our mouths. We go on in David's story in verse 42. When the Philistine looked about, he saw David coming onto the battlefield. The Bible says he disdained him for he was only a youth. And so the Philistine looked at David and said, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He's like, he's humiliated here. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. (laughs) Every time I read this, I want to run out in the parking lot and dance. (laughs) And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, which you have defied. This day, let me just go ahead and confess it. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you and I'll take your head from you. Oh, hallelujah. And this day, I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field. Talk about talk trash talking. Come on. And that, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's what that's where we need to be. Everybody says it's all failing, the world's crumbling. You step up and say, no, my God is still alive and active. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and God's going to accomplish His purposes in our time. 
Well, church attendance is decreasing and people are scared. Yes, but I serve a God of fire and I serve a God of revival who wants to see the nation come back to repentance and wants to see revival from coast to coast. I'm going to stay on that side of the fence. Somebody says, well, so-and-so was, you know, their cancer just miraculously disappeared. I guess uh, the chemicals worked and the this worked and the that worked. Maybe it did, but I'm going to stand on the side that says, I believe God showed up and did what we couldn't do in our own strength. I'm going to live on the believing side and just go ahead and speak it out. Come on, somebody, give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. So... I don't know how else to take this. David knew he could do this thing and he spoke out the faith that was in his heart before he ever took up the sling and swung it at Goliath. He knew it was going to happen and he went ahead and spoke it out. One stone hit the giant right in the center of the forehead. Knocked him flat. David hopped up on him, unsheathed the giant's sword and took his head off. Boom. Sorry for the graphic description. The Bible is rated R in some places. It really is. But he did it, man. And then what happened? Then it was like all the boys on the other side who were shaking and who were afraid. They're like, say what? And then all of a sudden their courage came. Woo! Come on! And they went and defeated all all of the Philistines. They're done after that. Because your faith can inspire some other people who maybe don't have quite as strong as faith as you do, but you got to let it go and you got to speak it out. God's going to do this thing. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's going to do this thing. You know, you need some people in your life that have that kind. If you don't have it, you need some people in your life who have that kind of faith. You just, you, just, you just need some people in your life to just, just correct your faith sometimes. I told the early crowd about my mother-in-law who lived with me for many years. And, and uh, I just, you know, some days I, if I got up and I was like, had doubts or worries on my mind, you know, I'd come to Miss Ruby and I'd be like, Miss Ruby, I don't know. There's some things we're facing here. <laughs> then she'd come back, Hans, God's doing miracles. Today's the day the Lord has made, and I'll rejoice and be glad in it, and He's given us another day to serve Him. Correction taken. Hallelujah. He is a God of miracles, and He is going to do it, and He is going to pull us through. Hallelujah. Come on, some of y'all maybe have some grandparents like that, right? Maybe, you have, maybe, maybe you're married to someone like that. You better thank God if you are. Somebody said, no, 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 no. You're, you're worrying, but I'm going to trust the Lord right now. We're going to put it into His hands, and God's going to take care of this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Woman with the issue of blood. The story of the woman with the issue of blood, there's a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent every bit of money she had on doctors, and the Bible said she was none the better. But she heard Jesus was coming her way. So the Bible says she went behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And she was made completely whole. And this is what Mark says. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
the faith that was in her heart came out of her mouth and she knew if I could just touch him, I'm going to be healed and I'm going to just go ahead and declare it right now. My faith is out there in front of me running down this promise. The Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus who had a child that was demon-possessed. She interrupted Jesus' vacation. He was trying to get away from people. She encountered him. And she's like, Lord, can you come and heal my daughter? And he said, listen, the, 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 the dogs aren't welcome at the table, lady. And he challenged her faith. I've preached on the meaning of that before. And he said, let the children first be filled, for it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And then the lady speaks back. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs, they get the crumbs that fall off the table. And all I'm asking for right now is a crumb. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus said, for saying this, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And she went home and was completely made whole. It, words matter. Words matter. If you, God's never going to do this, I prayed before, didn't work, and we, thank you for killing all of our faith. Don't speak that, man, just don't do it. I don't claim things over my life, I don't say things over my life. I was talking to a family member recently, and they were talking about a problem, and a problem, and this, and I just kind of went silent on the other end of the phone, and they spoke back and said, you're not going to claim this, are you? I said, no, I'm not claiming it over my life. All those things you're speaking, I'm not, I'm not saying about me. They aren't true. I can speak truth here. I'm not speaking all of that. Hallelujah. 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 You know, whatever, fa- you, some of y'all have, well, we all have family issues, right? We all have, there's like, there's like DNA mess-ups and mishaps that come along and maybe some of your family had heart problems or some died of cancer or some You know what you can do? You can do what you're supposed to. Take care of your body. Go see the doctor and pray and don't declaim any of that stuff over your life. Don't speak it over your life. Believe in God. Trust in Him. Speak the opposite over your life. Hallelujah. I'll be the only one. (laughs) I might be the only one come out of this healed. Hallelujah. But my faith is in the Lord. I'm going to be a good steward of what He's given me. But nonetheless, I'm going to trust that God is still my healer. Recently, I have a friend right now, and his wife is, is, is really in a, in, a, in a really strong battle with cancer. It's been going on for four years, and I contacted them recently, and we were just talking, and I said, how's she doing? And he said, well, we got a really, really bad report from the doctor recently, but Jesus has always given us a good report. And then I called just the other day and talked to her on the phone, and and I was like, oh, God, you know, you, you, God, give me the words to say, Lord, help me encourage her, and and soon as I picked up the phone, she says, Hans, this is what the Lord's saying to you. We went on for maybe 20 minutes, her preaching to me and lifting up my spirit. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Even my wife, you know, we don't understand everything and I'm not going to figure it all out till I get home. But even the last day she's living, she's declaring over her the 39 healing promises of God that my body is the Lord's and my body is His. Hallelujah. And so like my friend Kent Christmas said, I'd rather go out of this world knowing that I didn't have bitterness against God and unforgiveness against people. But I went out here saying, Lord, I'm yours if I live and I'm yours if I die. If I'm not healed here, 
I'm healed on the other side. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm declaring the good things of the Lord over me. Hallelujah. Be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, King. Hallelujah. One thing is for sure. My God is able to deliver us from this fire. Whether he does or not, we're still not going to serve your idol. I'm going to stand and declare what God has done in my life. I'm going to serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what? So many people get bent out of shape over context. I know. I've been in this my entire adult life I've been studying. And I see so many guys get bent out of shape over this. You're taking the Bible out of context, brother. You know what? You, we, you need to calm it down. Because I'm going to tell you, God's given us the word. And we do need to consider context. Y'all listen to me preach. You know I do that. But I'm telling you, it's time some people took some Psalm 91 and prayed it over their lives. It's time we took Psalm 23, prayed it over our lives. It's time we took Exodus 15, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and declared it over our lives. It's time we took Psalm 120 and said, He sent His word and healed them. God, that's me. I'm you sent your word and you healed me. We need to take Isaiah 53 that by his stripes Hans is healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, you need to declare some of those things over your life. The word is spirit and it is living. Go ahead and start speaking it in your atmosphere. Come on, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us online. And I hope the message was a real blessing to you. You know, eternity is a real thing. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. According to the scriptures, you spend eternity in one of two places. First of all, heaven. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Or number two, in hell. Uh, Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell. and was in great torment. And he was begging Abraham to send someone, a messenger, to tell his family. Well, listen. You're hearing the message today, eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this. Father in heaven. I, I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. And I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord, for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.